Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Welcome to Qatar Kickaround, the nightly wrap-up and discussion of the day's action in the 2022 World Cup. From the group stage to the final, our team is here, keeping you on top of the world's most watched sporting event. Brought to you by Westwood One Sports. Howdy ho again, soccer-loving P1s, and welcome to the Kickaround as we continue our group stage preview podcast. This one will feature the final two groups in the World Cup and Cutter of 2022. That would be groups G, as in good, and group H, as in hairy. You know, whatever that means. I just made that off the top of my head. Hi, it's me, Peter, alongside with Lars and Andy. Gentlemen, hello once again, like I just saw you five minutes ago when we were recording the other groups uh welcome we are now into group g which features the the team that i think everybody's most ex- it says is this the team most everybody's most excited to see in uh, belgium is uh, the leader of this group <laughs> followed by cameroon serbia and switzerland those are the four teams in this group, and it, it's certainly one of those deals when the draw happens and Bra- Brazil is the seeded team in the pot number one. Nobody wants to get thrown into the group with Brazil, but uh, Cameroon, Serbia, and Switzerland were the ones chosen that poor fate. I think Switzerland and Serbia are probably asking the soccer gods what they've done to piss Why? them off for getting Brazil a second straight World Cup because they were both in Brazil's group in 2018 and here we go again they're saying why <laughs> did you, I thought you were, oh lars he's, is actually sh- sh- lars is acting yeah. let him let him playing yeah. out a part <laughs> not acting i was just saying why in german i can't um porque. No, that doesn't yeah, porque, yeah oh and swiss <laughs> yeah we need a little swiss Swiss well, German I mean, and they, Serbian. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they well, in switzerland they speak either either german italian or, or french so mm-hmm. Okay. We will overcome this clumsy start uh, here in a second. What I wanted to get into is the fact that typically, as you do when you have Brazil as the leader in the group, right? Every World Cup, what you end up having a conversation about is the battle for that second place. And I'm assuming that's where we're going to get to at this point. And I do think with these teams in this group, that battle actually is somewhat interesting. I think battle is the correct word to use. Uh, It got pretty feisty. Last time they played, because uh, there's some political undercurrents here. Quite a few players in uh, the Swiss team uh, hail from uh, from countries uh, not too far away from Serbia, who have not a great history with the Serbians. Uh, so uh, that became very lively uh, last time around. I suspect it will do so again. Also, in just a sporting sense, those two teams are pretty evenly matched. Uh, so, so that's going to be a very interesting one, Lars. Just because not everybody—I'm a dumb American. I don't know all this stuff. Can you pl- can you kind of flesh out a little bit of the political thing that you were talking about between Serbia and Switzerland? Uh, so, so you might rec- you might recall there was a, a bit of a conflict uh, on the Balkans uh, in in the early nineties uh, around Bosnia and and thereabouts. Now that, that was a very uh, complicated uh, conflict. I'm not going to go into all of it, but it did trigger uh, a pretty big wave of migration across Europe where a lot of people had to, to move and find a safer place to live. And a good number of those uh, people settled in Switzerland. So if you look at the Swiss national team side, you'll have quite a few people of, of Albanian or, or of, of Kosovo and heritage in particular who, who have some grievances with the Serbians, and, uh, and that, and which, which adds some extra spice to the encounter. And one of them even got a fine for the way he celebrated a goal in the last World Cup, right? When the two teams played each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I suspect we'll see this stuff again because you can't really find it out of them. You know, it's it's something that right, runs. Yeah. It's something yeah. that runs really, it was Shaka, really deep. Right? It was Shaka. Yes, yes yeah. Granit Shaka, who yeah. is a 
Yeah. I mean, he, he does seem to, he cuts a slightly more mature figure with Arsenal these days, but he's still a fiery character. I, I think if it comes to sticking it to the Serbians, I think he'll be well up for that yet again. So my question then for you guys and how you feel, do you think Serbia, as they're about to play Switzerland again in this World Cup and against Shaka specifically, do the Serbian players care about what happened in the last World Cup? Was it an affront? Is it going to affect how they prepare or mentally, I guess, prepare for this match or they don't really care about all this and they just want to play the game. I think they do care. I think they're the, the, the animosity is mutual between, between people, the Albanian people and people of uh, Kosovo and heritage and, and the Serbians. So I think, and, and so I think that's going to be, again, you with your background, family background from Croatia, you know, that region well enough to know that while we should always be very careful with a, personality traits based on geographic geography and such serbians tend to be fiery people for serbian yeah. athletes are, are are a lively bunch yeah <laughs> and now and i should say not well liked by the formian form like all the countries that were part of the former yugoslavia that split away croatia included not well liked by those countries yeah and one of serbia right now one of the few european countries who are kind of maintaining relations with russia a tiny bit when everyone else has kind of turned our backs to them so now we're getting a little bit into the political weeds but that is a factor in in this group and i think it's something you're going to see play out when the two teams play each other again from a betting perspective granite shaka to pick up a yellow card at some point in that game i think is one of my (laughs) pretty good bet going into this tournament all right duly noted duly noted um so switzerland and serbia uh, you know like peter said probably it's one of these two vying for that second spot not hold hold on don't jump too far ahead okay all right. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yes. yes, yes let's right. let's just yeah. not jump too far ahead. By the way, we should just uh, and and not to jump too far ahead. The Serbian uh, uh, Switzerland game is the third game of yeah, the group, so right. they get to save that up for the for the right. third game. <laughs> but and I that, know that you know that there's a fourth team, and that's what you're going to bang me with, right? It, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, don't forget about. That. Wait, well, no, yeah, no, no, no. no. Okay. I just right. So so let's get into the teams and yeah. stuff. Let's just start with Brazil. Yeah. Obviously, they are by and large the favorite to win this tournament. Although I guess as we talked about, they didn't win the EA Sports simulation, <laughs> but that's a nobody cares about that. Uh, they are number one in FIFA rankings. They're number one. In the elo rankings uh they are many people's favorite to win the tournament the one thing that i about brazil for me that i wonder is getting talked enough about is the fact that this may this might be neymar's situation like in the in the we we talked about argentina and mm-hmm. messi and messi needing to win a mm-hmm. world cup but i do think there is a, a story oh, here that sure. neymar needs to win a world cup too and this may be his last opportunity yeah and i think very similarly to messi where messi Messi, Argentina was Messi's team or Messi was Argentina uh, until just, you know, a few years ago. It was the same situation with Neymar and the Brazilian national team. And once they learned to play with others and Neymar wasn't as important a figure for them to win, this Brazilian team really started to take off. Now, Neymar is a very important part of the team, but they're they have incredible depth. They're well balanced. They have firepower. They're good at pressing. They approach the game in a modern way. And they can do all those things without Neymar having to necessarily have a great game, just like Argentina can do things without Messi having to have a great game. Brazil's kind of in the same in the same spot. Yeah, but I also want to I want to turn this back to back to you, Andy, because I want to tap your a giant uh, World Cup trivia brain. I forgot to look this up before the show, but I I have something in the back of my mind. Isn't it true that since two thousand and two? Brazil have gone out almost every time they've faced a big European power. I mean, almost every time they've come up against one of the big Europeans, they've they've gone out. Yes, correct. I mean, quarterfinals in 2006, 2010, uh, in the semis in the game that all Brazilians will forever not forget, <laughs> the 7-1 to one debacle against in, in, in Rio against Germany and, of course, against Belgium in the quarters in 2018. Correct. And you made the point in the last show we taped we haven't really seen Brazil play against a strong European side in a couple of years, right? So and, they're a and, little and, bit untested in that regard. And intriguingly, during this 20-year period, Brazilian players on an individual level have remained dominant in European club football. There's always been Brazilian superstars at the biggest clubs. But we haven't actually seen that uh, club individual dominance on club scene translate into the national team actually winning a World Cup. 
which I think is interesting. And I think is one of the things going into this tournament we're looking at with Brazil. Is this the year when they finally show that they've managed to bridge that gap again and that they can, uh, on an international level, uh, well, defeat the biggest European teams again? Right. That's that's what we have to see. There's two things. What First of all, Brazil heads into this tournament as the number one uh, FIFA ranked team. And since the FIFA rankings have started in 94, I believe that was the first tournament where we started a tournament with the FIFA rankings already in place. The number one ranked team as of the last FIFA ranking before the World Cup started has never won the World Cup. Wow. The number one ranked team heading into the World Cup. Cue the dramatic music. Has never That's won the World trivia. Cup. I like and, that. And Brazil is now the number one ranked team. And the other thing, and it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, they, they had an incredible run in qualifying in South America, undefeated first place. They only lost in the final in Copa America against Argentina. Very strong team. Nothing wrong with losing against Argentina. But I wonder what Brazil will do when they go down. And how they will react to being down in a game against a strong European side. Can they, do, do they have the mental, for, not that they don't have the mental fortitude. Of course they do. They're great players and they play at a very high level. But, but there's so much pressure have, on them. There is a lot of, wearing that yellow jersey bears an incredible amount of pressure. And that, you know, it, it wears on you mentally. I mean, they're, they're probably the only nation that ever goes into a World Cup with the people expecting them to win it. Yes, that, that, that's it, it, only just, really true for Brazil. Just about every World Cup, they're the odds-on favorites to win it. And at home, they are definitely expected to win it. And nothing short of winning the World Cup is accepted. And this is what <laughs> this is what every player feels when they put on that yellow jersey and they talk about how, what, how much pressure that is. And now that they you combine it with the fact that they are the number one ranked team in the world, there's an incredible amount of pressure. Now, we're talking about this group specifically. I don't think they will have any issues getting through this group in first place, but it's something to consider and think about when we talk about the later rounds. Yeah, and we, we've touched on it. I should say, first of all, the, the South American qualifying is tough. So, mm -hmm. so the, the run they've had that you mentioned, there's a difference between that. I mean, some we, we look at some of the European nations and say they qualified really well. Okay, okay, fine. You look and they played like Estonia and Belarus. And right. Like, yeah. Okay. Well done. Mm -hmm. But but with with the South American qualifying, it is the the toughest. Yeah. It's, it's the, to me, it's the toughest punishing. qualifying group. Yes. Yeah. Right. So since they've done well there, that 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 counts for something in my book. But it is also true, and there's a very strange reason for this. The reason they haven't played any big European teams in a while is actually to do with scheduling, and it's to do with the fact that the Europeans decided. We have too many meaningless friendlies, so we're going to invent a tournament and call right. it the Nations League and mm -hmm. put some things at stake. And suddenly there were no windows for Brazil to schedule prestige friendlies against top European teams anymore. So they've been, they've been trying really hard. They haven't really had an opportunity to do it. They've only played twice. Yeah, uh, that's if, the... If yeah, no, you're right. And that's the issue with common ball in general. The common ball, the federation is very concerned about this development, you know, for the last uh, five or six years. And in fact, this is where these talks with UEFA have started. And we've heard the rumors that they might. Uh, they might join Nations League, yes. you know, it, because Common Ball really feels like they are lacking those games, uh, those really important preparation games as their national teams prepare for these various tournaments. Uh, and it speaks exactly to what you were speaking about, that, that they haven't had that preparation. Yeah. But, you know, but on it, it, oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say we are approaching 20 years since the last time that they won a World it's Cup. It's the longest yeah. spell that they've well, gone. Well, I thought without... I thought 70 to 94 would have been the longest. Yeah, if they don't. Yeah, yeah. If they don't win this one. So, uh, just as the casual World Cup lover, uh, it just the vibe is that this is it's time for them to win it again. And here's the other thing: I wanted to win it now, so that means that they're less likely to win it when the World Cup comes. Because <laughs> the, the, the U.S. then will be able to win it. So, sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, I wouldn't say that publicly. Or anything yeah, so Lars, for me, you know, and Norway's going to win that one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, <sorry. Holland. laughs> Looking at their roster, I mean, what, what an incredible roster! Obviously, I mean, it's you're in awe of the yeah. roster. Nine, I think, nine forwards were selected, which just goes to show you the mentality they have, right? Yeah, yeah, Brazil. Yeah, yeah. This is the Brazil of old because the Brazil of uh, some years ago they went very defensive minded, but this is kind of the Brazil of old. They want to attack. They want to score goals. Jogo bonito. All that, but 
The issue is that you also have to make sure they don't score a lot of goals on you if you're going to play like that. And I know Marquinhos in the back. He's fast. He can recover when they because this team presses. Mm -hmm. But when the press fails, obviously, you expose yourself. But Marquinhos quick. He recovers. But other than him and Thiago Silva is a great player having a really, really good, I'd say two years now with Chelsea. I mean, he's played well in the Premier League. He's old. But then you you also call up Danny Alves, who hasn't played in two months. And I know he's, he's there gonna, for vibes, I think. He's mainly. there for vibes. But if you have Thiago Silva, you know, now you have two guys that are experienced in the locker room. Okay, great. But now you leave out Firmino. Anyway, my point is, is we talk about them having Andy's balance. Liverpool underwear. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm really bummed about that. But it, we talk about, and I said they have balance, but now I think about it. Are they really that balanced? Because it seemed to be stacked at the top, but mm, a week in the back. I think on the selection that reflects that Chiche knows who's playing in those positions. Like he's not, it's more a case of upfront. It's not entirely certain who's starting. Yeah. Because you know what? Well, let's look at it. Okay. Goalkeepers, Allison or Ederson. Uh, that's pretty decent. I'll, I'll take that. That's, yeah. Uh, and, course, uh, yeah. And, then, and then ahead of that, yeah, Danny Alves is in the squad. But I think everyone knows the the, the, four, the back four is going to be, it's going to be Danilo at right back. It's going to be Alexandro at left back. And then the question is, yeah, Marquinhos starts. And then most likely Thiago Silva, possibly Eder mm -hmm. Militao, if you want the extra speed. And then Danny Alves is there, but say Danilo breaks his leg in the first week, Ed Militao can also play right back. So there are solutions. So he's do, basically I, another assistant coach is what you're saying, Danny Alves. Well, also... Which is fine. I mean, they, he wouldn't be the first player to be called up to a World Cup with that role. Yeah, and, and he does... He still, you know, he still has something about him. You know, when he came over and played almost for free for Barcelona recently to help them out, he was better on the field than people thought he was going to be. Like he's not, he's not completely washed, as the young people say. So if, if he has to play a few minutes here and there, I don't think that's the worst thing that can happen to them. I'm just waiting I, for, I'm just waiting for the Brazilian Nike TV commercial. I'm really bummed out we haven't gotten that yet because that's always the well, best. you, you well, because you want to see like uh, the you, your United guys, Fred and Casemiro. Well, I, I have a question for uh, Fred. I, yeah, I have yeah. a question for uh, Peter so uh Casemiro and Fred together in the same midfield with Brazil and that wouldn't work for United uh, well they've <laughs> tried it a little bit and Fred plays better I mean I, <laughs> I feel I don't mean to dump on Scott McTominay but yeah it's, <laughs> it's uh, feel free I mean you're you're among friends <laughs> it works okay all right let's move on to the next team in the group and this and it's weird because you're going from the number one team the highest rated team in the tournament to the lowest ranked team in the tournament in Cameroon who are 43rd in the FIFA rankings and 61st in the ELO rankings and everything that I obviously I don't watch a lot of African soccer mm -hmm. and I don't know a lot about all of this stuff, but based on, well, first off their qualification, the best way to describe it is nuts. And the best way to explain it is they entered, they qualified for cutter uh, by scoring a goal in the 124th minute of their last game, which got them through. And that's the nutty <laughs> way to explain the story. But of everything that I've read about this team it just has a vibe that this is one of those teams where the wheels could come flying off at any particular moment uh, or maybe just stick together and do something really magical all at the same time. But they do feel like a bomb getting ready to go off. Well, I, I should say for the listeners, the reason qualification is like that is because qualification out of Africa is absolutely punishing. It's There, there are so many countries there and not a lot of World Cup spots. So the way it works, you, you play a group stage, but then no matter what you do in your group, you are still going to have to play a playoff. Uh, which which feels pretty. I mean, we've had examples over the years of teams looking amazing in qualifying there, and then having one bad game in the playoffs, and you don't get to go to the World Cup. It's it's, it's really punishing. And in the case of Cameroon, yeah, they they had a <laughs> last 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 minute uh, winner against Algeria, uh, which uh, which which took them to the tournament. Um, a couple of interesting things about them, I suppose. I mean, uh, Samuel Eto is now the president of the FA there. Wow. And uh, and he has put uh, his old teammate Ringerbert Song from the national team in charge. Uh, he supposedly feels that uh, that a Cameroon, like a lot of other African nations, have lent too heavily on sort of random European coaches of dubious CVs, and that it, that they can do it, uh, that they can do it with homegrown intelligence and homegrown talent behind it. 
it isn't the strongest uh, of the African squads. Uh, if we group them together, maybe we shouldn't. But, I mean, I suppose it makes sense. They do have some great players. Uh, I, I really like the midfielder, Andre Frank Zambuanguisa, who has one of the best names in show business, but also has been a really good player for Napoli, who's, of course, top of Serie A and playing really well. Uh, interesting. I mean, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm looking forward to seeing Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, who has been a bit of a punchline just because he went from being a very average player for Stoke to suddenly like getting a contract at PSG and then at Bayern Munich and just again seemed to be a guy who was there for the vibes but but now has just had this incredible goal scoring spree for Bayern Munich this uh, this fall and become a really important player for them at the age of 33 and suddenly played football in a way no one had ever seen him do before maybe he's been doing stuff in training all these years I don't know but special stuff he can score some goals for them and they do have a very good goalkeeper in uh, Andre Onana at the back I also kind of like the wide forward uh, Carl Toko Ekambi from Lyon there's some okay players here if you have a good midfielder as forward who scores goals and a good goalkeeper that is a good start but I have to say, looking at, looking at the squad aside from those guys, there's not an awful lot to get excited about, certainly in terms of what they do day-to-day uh, -day for their club sides. So I'm going to just put this politely and say that I would be very surprised if they did much of anything in this group. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they even won a game. They, they played more World Cup matches than any other African nation in the history of World Cups, but they haven't won a World Cup match since 02 they've lost seven straight and then 02 when they won that game they beat saudi arabia so we're we're all we all remember that deep run they had in 1990 remember when they got all the way to the quarterfinals and and the uh italy world cup uh with mila but ever since then they've made plenty of world cups but they just never do anything once they get there all right so uh i think that's enough about uh cameroon i mean i guess we chewed up so much time on Brazil. Cameroon may get a little th short shift here, but uh, I mean, if you have any Seattle fans watch listening, watching Nuhu play against Neymar is going to be a thing. <laughs> that's that's an interesting <laughs> thing a, that might happen. I mean, if if he I, plays that game, I hope. I mean, that's just one of those. Yeah, he didn't have a bad game. highlight for him. We we deserve to see that happen. <laughs> All right, next up in the group would be Serbia. And Serbia is obviously an interesting uh, team for a lot of reasons that we talked about it here a little bit earlier. Um, they they got better as qualifying went on, and that's a weird thing to say for a team that ended up going undefeated in qualifying. But they, did, they do feel like, to me, based on what I've looked at and read, they look like a team that's really into form. They recently got promoted into the group a of nations league uh in that tournament going on so uh serbia feels like a team that's got uh, an impress an impressive group up front lars uh, that mm. may be able to do some damage and maybe that's the kind of group of guys that could possibly maybe do something against brazil at least at least in terms of scoring goals against brazil no you nailed it i mean i would expect to see them play in a kind of a 3-4-3 formation with Alexander Mitrovic up front, supported by Dusan Tadic and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, probably. And that is a trio that can create trouble against most opponents, I'd think. I mean, Alexander Mitrovic's record at international level is absurd. I mean, he has got something like 50 goals in 78 games, which is extraordinary, especially playing for someone who's not a great nation. And, and Milinkovic-Savic is, is for a long time, been one of the better midfielders in Serie A. Whereas Dusan Tadic, yeah, he's 33, he's getting on a bit, but he's very influential for the national team. So that is a, an attacking group who I think have it in them to create trouble against most uh, opponents. They've got a great villain wingback in Filip Kostic. Uh, they've got some, some tidy midfielders, some rugged defenders. There's a lot of good ingredients here. What has historically been a challenge with Serbia is that they've often had some good individual players, but not had a great sort of team cohesion. Um, again, leaning into stereotypes a little bit, but you know what? Anyone who's... They're a feisty bunch, <laughs> the Serbians, and for the coach to keep the squad under control is not always easy. Uh, it does seem like the current guy, Dragan Stojkovic, is doing a good job in, in that regard. And uh, again, I, 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 I'm not expecting huge things from them, but I, I think... Again, very evenly matched with Switzerland here, in my opinion, for who's going to finish second in this group. And the game between the two of them should be uh, should be dramatic. I agree. Evenly matched. But with Serbia, like I've heard it all before. Right. Kind of kind of attitude about them heading into a World Cup and how they're going to do it in a World Cup. And they never get out of their group. Uh, they're very about the individual. Collectively, they're suspect. Right. Like you mentioned. And Mitrovic. 
Great goal scorer. Last World Cup, he got one goal. He bagged one against Switzerland, I believe it was. Well, maybe I'm this is maybe this is version of the second time in the Premier League. True, could you know? be, could be. I mean, they need him to have a good World Cup if they're going to do something. But I think with this group, it's just we compare them versus Switzerland. And who do we prefer to finish in that second slot? And I would side a little bit more with Switzerland. Not to transition to Switzerland, Peter. I, maybe you have more things. To <laughs> no, my my note on Serbia is they're kind of like the reverse mullet. They're impressive up front, but not so much in the back. Okay. Um, that's that's probably true. They got better forwards than defenders, uh, but they've they've got some big strong men down that end who you know uh, will merrily <laughs> elbow opponents in the face as the game. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they're going to be an unpleasant team to play against. Uh, All for right. That, for that All one. right. So the fourth team in the group is the aforementioned Switzerland and uh, the Serbia Switzerland game is in the uh, third set of games. And so Switzerland comes into this uh, as a big part of the reason why Italy is not in the World Cup. They uh, got the better part of Italy twice and they had a really straightforward qualifying campaign. Uh, they've had uh, a good run of results recently at the Nations league they are a well-balanced well-screwed together team uh they this may be another one of those quintessential examples of just a tier two team that's really really good that causes some trouble in the early part and then never really get or never capable of getting much further than that yeah i'm not i'm not super high on switzerland this time around um Andy will will tell you they've had a pretty impressive record recently, I think, for what is, a, a, at the end of the day, a pretty small country, a country who up until fairly recently didn't have a big football uh, tradition. Uh, they've definitely been helped by the sort of intra-European migration. If you go through the squad, you'll, you'll notice there's uh, quite a lot of uh, not traditionally Swiss-sounding names in there uh, <laughs> because they're one of the countries who have benefited tremendously from people coming from overseas and then helping the economy and helping you know, them on the sporting side. Um, and and they've you know consistently qualified for tournaments, consistently gotten out of the group stage, and and that is to be respected. I speak as a, a, a as someone who was born in a country who has not been in a tournament for a little while, so you know I'm not going to do them down. But but looking at the squad and what they're bringing this time, it's it's very solid uh, and very unspectacular. You know they're they're they're, they're going to be well drilled. There are no obvious weak points, but there's also not really any players that you look at and think, ooh, I'm, I'm worried about that guy. Uh, and also, I think, I mean, Chicago Fire fans uh, might uh, might object to this, but uh, but Shadon Shakiri, so often the guy who provides the spark in an otherwise slightly dour team, is maybe not at the peak of his powers right now. I think that's maybe probably... not, <laughs> or or just fully not. Yes, <laughs> I was being polite. I was being yeah, polite, I was and I've been having if... lots of beef sandwiches <laughs> up in and, Chicago. And and they're one of these teams. If he doesn't do it, if he doesn't come up with something creative, then I'm not sure where the goals are coming from. It's just a little bit uninspiring. Yeah, I, I think everything you say is correct, and but I, I feel like we've also always said this about Switzerland. They're they're not a sexy country to like back in World Cups in terms of soccer, right? Because they don't have that history. But they're worker like, and it just the mm. fact is that every time they make a World Cup, just about every time they advance out of group stage. Now they don't go far once they get out. It's usually the round of sixteen, and they're out. But they do enough. They're well organized, and they do just enough to get past the group stage. And when you put them in a group where you have a clear favorite to win the group like Brazil and the other two are not, you know, by any stretch, any kind of power or, I mean, they're tier two, like you described it, Peter, like Serbia's a tier two soccer nation. I think Switzerland has a decent chance as any to advance and if they've done it in the past in this kind of group setting why not this time all right group g kicks off on the 24th of november which happens to be thanksgiving day and my birthday and so the, uh, with switzerland facing off against cameroon and brazil versus serbia um lars go ahead you were it, waving just, your if, arm like you wanted just, to say something. just before we move on to everyone listening, if it wasn't clear already, then Serbia Switzerland is the one to watch here game wise in this yeah. group. That's that, that, <laughs> that game. No, it's the last one. Oh, it's the, the last one. E even even if all, everything else has already been just decided, watch anyway. just watch it because it's like a it's like a a, a gang war. It's just yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. Okay, so uh, we're all gonna say Brazil first. Anybody, uh, Lars? Who do you have coming second in this group? You know what? I'm gonna stick my neck out. Uh, and say I think Serbia can actually do it. I'm, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the Swiss this time. And uh, listen, 
I'm, I might be disappointed, but uh, I I think they can do it. They can okay. overcome. I think that's an anti-Croatia pick more than anything. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll go with Switzerland. I mean, that, right. you know, you heard it in my descriptions. I am taking Serbia. I believe in Mitrovic. Okay. I believe he's going to do some damage and have some fun. Um, okay, so there is Group G. Not too many surprises in there, I don't think. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at Group H. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to the kick around and our group previews. We are now into group H as in hilarious. And here are the four teams in that group, Ghana, Portugal, South Korea, and Uruguay. And they have, this is the final group of all the groups that we've done. Let's look at us plowing through mm. groups like pros. Uh, um, I, this is what, this is a, such a weird group because it is such a odd mix of styles and countries yeah. It is. It absolutely is the Bennington of of all the different yeah, uh, groups. Disparate, I think. disparate playing styles for sure. Yeah, proper and World Cup group. Yeah, th- there you a go. Proper exactly. World a proper, Cup yeah, group. Well, well That's why we pay you all this money, Lars. Yes. Is that kind of insight right it, there? It's also the group that will fight to avoid Brazil. Like, uh, so finish <laughs> first or bust, basically. Right? You might as well just finish third if you're going to finish second. Uh, I, I, you know, it's such a weird, and it is weird because of the fact that you do have an African country, you've got a European country, you've got an Asian country and a South American country. And, that, and, and for each of those particular styles, these are all solid teams from each of those regions too. Yeah, I think uh, Ghana are a little bit tasty uh, without wanting to preempt the running order here when we're talking about the teams. But I'm just gonna, just looking at the who they're bringing. There's some really there's some interesting players here and uh, big questions over Son Yeonmin and his uh, fitness situation going into the tournament. But uh, he's very very important for South Korea, but also a team not to underestimate. Whereas uh, whereas the Uruguayans are always always a factor. So yeah, tremendous group. Yeah, just like the the Belgium and Croatia group, when I, where I said any order of finish wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Maybe not South Korea finishing first, but other than that, I wouldn't be surprised with any order of finish. Andy, from uh, just a perspective historically of the World Cup, and part of the reason why we all love the World Cup is because of all the different cultures and style of play. Is this not one of the most uniquely World Cup? Groups, groups. Well, yeah. you know what I mean, like yeah, the like fact a proper that, World Cup group. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. And, and particularly uh, once uh, the World Cup expanded to thirty-two teams, and you had more nations uh, from the African and Asian continents, getting a group that has a singular team from each of these continents all together in one group becomes more rare. And I think for that reason, it's kind of a neat group. Yeah. This is a fun one to watch. The games also kick off on the 24th, like Group G. Uh, we'll kick off with Uruguay versus Korea, and South Korea and Portugal versus Ghana. So we'll get into the first team. Obviously, the seeded team in this group is Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal, uh, headed by Fernando Santos. Uh, they had a dodgy run through um, qualifying Lars. They were typically Portugally, uh, very typical Portugal, frustrating to watch in many times because I, you know, uh, I, I hearken back to when they won the Europe, the, the Euros. And and I still believe this to this day about Portugal, and I think this is why Portuguese fans are so frustrated, is they just seem to be a team that belie the talent that is on the field in terms of how they set up because they tend to be such a defensive, first-minded team. Um, and and they've got so many cool attacking, creative players out there that, 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 out there that don't ever seem to feel like they, they get to really express themselves. Yeah, no, you've you've uh, hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's a funny one with Fernando Santos, uh, sixty-eight years old now, uh, is someone who's who's won a tournament. And when you win a major tournament, one Euro, two thousand sixteen, and when you win a major tournament with Portugal, you know that 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 gives you a certain status uh, and and earns you a certain respect. Uh, but ever since then, and even before that, <laughs> he's been just constantly criticised uh, at home, but also to an extent abroad. 
for being very defensive in his outset. Whereas during this period, Portugal, of course, best known for Cristiano Ronaldo, but they've also just produced a, a conveyor belt of, of exciting forward talents who rarely are able to show their full potential for the national team. And that is immensely frustrating for fans who, of course, owe the coach a, a debt of gratitude for, for lifting a trophy with them. But, you know, you, you watch this team so often and you feel like they should be so much more. So uh, I mentioned it in a previous show that uh, since the FIFA rankings have come out, when a non-superpower, again, one, non, uh, one of those iconic superpowers, uh, when a country that fin- that is top 10 ranked uh, and is not one of those superpowers, typically, and there's usually two or three in every, every World Cup, one of those will not get out of the group stage. In this World Cup, we have Belgium and Portugal that both fit that description. I clearly picked, and I think we all picked Belgium to advance. I believe Portugal may be in danger of being that team wow. that doesn't meet expectations. And a lot of people have picked them as the sexy, uh, the sexy pick, the sexy uh, dark horse pick. I remember Portugal in 02, they didn't get out of their group stage. They were the sexy dark horse pick. The Czech Republic in 06, they didn't get out of their group stage. They were that kind of team. And I think Portugal might fit that. And because they have Ronaldo and they have all this firepower, but at the end of the day, will Ronaldo be an asset or will he be a liability? You know, in the locker room, team chemistry, they have so much speed and agility on this team. Like Rafael Leal, it's his time to shine. He's a great player. But if the system and Ronaldo don't allow it, we're gonna we're not gonna get to see him do his thing. Yeah, you know, Lars, is that we talked about Messi earlier, and we even mentioned uh, Neymar in the situation with Brazil. But here's another, uh, you know, iconic player of the game who is. I'm a. I'm okay. I'm just going to assume this is Ronaldo's final World Cup, but we all assume, <laughs> we assume right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, here's a guy who's like he, the guy in Wolf of Wall Street. You know, he is. He is just not leaving. Uh, he will not. I, I yeah. To depart. And He'll so I from the cryo chamber at the age of <laughs> at the age of forty five, saying, "I am going yet again." And 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 we've watched him kind of sputter for United this season, and you just feel like there's all this. I'm I'm assuming he's going to place a tremendous amount of pressure on himself to do something because this is probably his last World Cup. Uh, it, it just uh, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it works very well, and a lot of it, much like United, is probably because, to Andy's point, they're trying so hard to include Ronaldo. Yeah, and the frustration with Ronaldo to, to spend a minute on it because he's such a towering figure. The frustration with him is that it seems like he hasn't fully accepted and adapted to his own physical decline, right? Because at the age of 37, of course, he is not as fast as he was when he was 27. That is obvious, right? But when you see him play for United, and and I saw him in the flesh very recently, he still takes up the same positions as he used to. Like he, He still looks for the balls in behind. He still takes up a position like he wants to beat someone for pace. He hasn't it's like he hasn't adjusted his play style to suit the fact that he just isn't as fast as he used to be. And that's frustrating because he's still an immensely gifted footballer. And you look around the continent in Europe, you see guys like Edin Dzeko and Olivia Giroud still play really important parts for their clubs in spite of being kind of old and slow. And I've made this joke a few times and it always gets people annoyed. But as honest to God, Cristiano Ronaldo could do with sitting down and watching some Giroud tapes and become <laughs> become more like sexy Oliver Giroud. And not just because he's doing well for Milan, but also one of the things Giroud is doing really well is is being a good foil for Rafael Lau and being someone he can play off of and, and help him for his club side, the way Giroud has done that for Griezmann for the international team. If he could be that character, Cristiano Ronaldo can still do great things for Portugal. But it looks to me like he's still trying to be the player he was his, his five, pride six years ago. Yeah, his pride won't allow it, I guess. You know he's never scored a, a goal in the in a knockout rounds of the World Cup? No, I didn't know Ronaldo that. Ronaldo hasn't scored in the knockout really? rounds. Yeah. Portugal also has does have a little bit of an injury situation. Diego Jada, who is a great player for Liverpool, he's out with a hamstring injury. And Pedro Neto is also out with an ankle injury. So they don't have all of the depth. And I know Pepe... Uh, is uh, potentially at risk with a knee injury. Uh, so there is some injury stuff going on for Portugal to to pay attention to. But still, we focus on the downsides, and there are downsides, but I also do understand why people pick them as the sort of 
the exciting uh, dark horses because you just listen. Cancelo and Ruben Diaz from Man City, the Bruno Fernandez, uh, Bernardo Silva, even Ruben, even guys like Ruben Neves, Raul Palinha has been one of the best defensive midfielders in the Premier League this yeah, season. Yeah, Palinha's good. There are so many good players here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but the frustration is no one's really convinced the coach, in spite of what he has achieved in the past, knows how to put them together in the right way and get the balance right. All right. Now, I need to uh, insert a correction here. In the previous segment, when we were talking about Cameroon, I talked about them as the lowest rated team in the tournament. That is false. That falls to the next team in Group H. That's actually Ghana. Hmm. They're 61st in FIFA rankings and 74th in the ELO ratings, uh, and they are the lowest ranked team. But they've got the best coach's name in the tournament, an auto auto. Mm. I well, love Otto, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former former Dortmund player. Uh, they qualified by beating Nigeria, knocking the e the Golden Eagles out on a home and away that was nil nil and one one. They went, they got it out, they got through on away goals. <laughs> Your favorite, Peter. my least favorite thing <laughs> in the whole thing. My favorite part of this, Lars, is that the United States don't have to play Ghana in a World Cup. That's my favorite part, at least yeah, not you early. You got to say, not qualifying for a World Cup on goal difference is pretty tough. I mean, that's, that's very, very frustrating. <laughs> I'd be angry for a very long time if, uh, if I experienced that, I have to say. Uh, do you have any particular insight into the Black Stars in this uh, cycle, Lars? Yeah, they've got some decent players. I like them better than I like Cameroon if we're comparing African uh, countries and low-ranked uh, countries going into the tournament. Uh, they've got a, you know, they've got Thomas Partey in midfield, of course, doing really well with Arsenal. The IU brothers are still knocking around or are, are still a factor. If you're looking for a sort of unexpected players to light up the tournament and, and impress. I mean, Mohamed Kudus, a place for Ajax, has done some good things in the Champions League with them, was wanted by a few English teams in the summer, but Ajax held on to him. It's a 22-year-old, very, very attack-minded midfielder, almost like a like a second striker, really, uh, who, who plays in a kind of a number 10 role, but always looking to get forward. Really fun player, very technical, good balance, uh, can can be a good finisher if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, they, they do have some players. And, you know, I think it's it's not complete. I, mean, I wouldn't back them to to go forward, but I think they're a team who, who should uh, make the games, uh, be, should be competitive in their games, put it that way. Yeah, their their experience. They they've had success in in past World Cups. Uh, they're a team that could surprise. They can also fold. I mean, they they it could go either way with Ghana. Now they have a little bit of a revenge element here when they play Uruguay. Remember in the 2010 <laughs> World Cup, the Luis Suarez handball that prevented a, a a goal, and then they missed a subsequent penalty kick. And Uruguay advanced onto the semifinals. Ghana had that ball gone in, had Suarez not handled it with his hands, or had they made the PK, would have made the semifinals of the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. So they're a team that has done it before at this stage. They've also they're also a team that has folded in the first round. So it could go either way. I think they're in a a weak enough. I guess it's a balanced group, but a weak enough group mm. that they can advance. And and they've also done something we're seeing more and more for some of the African FAs is that they look uh, to the diaspora, look to Europe and see uh, players who might not have a strong connection with the homeland in general, but but who have a heritage that allows them to, to declare for that nation. So we're going to see, uh, if he plays, I expect him to play, we're going to see Tariq Lamptey or Brighton, who's born in England, uh, to, to play a right back, who's a very speedy and, and dangerous presence on the on the right back. Uh, Inyaki Williams, uh, who's uh, who plays for Athletic Bilbao, uh, is 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 probably going to play up front. So so that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that Tarek Lamptey played for the Black Stars. No, he's he's, he's only got one cap, but he's been. Did he up. have dual? Is he a, like an English dual citizen? Could he have played for England? Oh yeah, no, he's he's born in England. So that's I, what think I thought it, with him, it was more of a case of England have like a hundred and seven good right backs. So he just figured like this isn't happening for me. And well, they uh, used to. And and the only yeah, well they're all injured. <laughs> but, but and also, well, I'm being very flippant, but. Truth is, I don't know Tarek Lamptey personally. I don't know how much of a connection he has to his uh, his ancestral uh, homeland in that regard. And and I think that's one of those things in modern soccer, when uh, when people are eligible for more more than one nation, it's it's always really difficult for them to pick uh, who to declare for and uh, and some such. 
All right. So next in the group is one of my personal all-time favorite na- national teams, just because they're always such a battler to play against. They always come out and work really hard is Uruguay. Uh, they come into this tournament. Uh, they changed managers uh, who helped them win their last four games in Comnibal, uh qualifying to get them into the tournament. They are, uh, I don't know, I I, I Pitbull is the, the that's term, a good, that's a good term that always comes up about yeah. Uruguay. They do have tenacity. They are you, you, very, musician or animal? Uh, animal. No, definitely. I would not. I would, I would not put the musician. Like. <laughs> How about bulldog? Musician might even be a... They're just a very tenacious side. I don't care who they throw out there as an 11. They are always fine. Luis Suarez is a great example of that style of player that they just tend to put out there. And uh, they, I think, are an interesting element to this particular tournament going into it, Uh, Andy. I know you... I do. You are the South American expert here. I fancy their side. I've seen them play in the qualifiers, South American qualifiers. They were on the outside looking in. Uh, they let go of their longtime coach uh, who was revered and who took them to high, great heights uh, uh, because they weren't getting the results. And the new the new gaffer got him through the last four games with a win and that got him through. And doesn't matter how you finish in South America. The important thing is qualifying into the World Cup and whatever you did in qualifying then doesn't matter. I think Uruguay has a chance to make a run in this tournament. They're balanced. Between youth and experience, they have some older guys, but guys that are good and experienced, and they they blended that with youth. They're very good defensively. The thing about Uruguay that and Peter was speaking about is that tenacity. They can they always manage to get the results when they need it, one way or the other, whatever it takes. Sometimes they're down to ten guys. They they'll get a red card and and get the result after being down. That's the kind of national team they are. They're feared by other South American teams when they play them because of that reason. So I think they have a decent shot, definitely getting out of this group, but also making waves in the tournament. So one of the things that's made them punch above their weight, because again, in terms of population, it's a tiny nation. Uh, They have a long heritage, of course, of being a serious footballing nation. But one of the reasons they've been successful in, in modern times is that they have a program in which they they take the under the, the, the under 18, under 20, under 15 national teams very, very seriously. And they use them to, to forge an identity because they realize, okay, football is a global game now. Players who play well in Uruguay are going to go abroad like that. Like they're all going to leave. Uh, but it's really important that they forge uh, an allegiance to the national team, that they forge an understanding amongst each other. So so the, the under 18s are not just, let's just get the best team. It's they're very, very serious about forging uh, the, the, the bonds and the unity and the, and stuff through that. And it's something that they've been very successful for doing. And, and it is one of those, this is true for every country at the World Cup, but the, the, the amount of national pride Uruguay get out of their national team and the fact that they're as competitive as they are, it, it matters an unbelievable amount uh, to the country. Yeah, and I, I, you sent this to me, uh, Peter. You forwarded this to me, and I, we saw, we read a stat that Montevideo, the capital of Uruguay, has produced the most World Cup players of any other city in I the world. I think that was right. Like I have that. to go back and now, dig it out. Now, yeah. Uruguay is essentially a one-city nation, right? I mean, everything really revolves around Montevideo, and that's why that particular city has had so many World Cup players. But it also speaks to the to how well they how what a factory they are for such a small nation. What a factor they are of world class players. I mean, it's incredible what you say is really interesting about what they're doing in Uruguay now. It's kind of like what Belgium did. This golden generation was a result of a program they implemented kind of the get everybody in Belgium playing under the same system to benefit the national team one day. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about the system with Uruguay, I guess, but it's just that feeling what you have to do when you're wearing that, that, that Jersey. I get the feeling that the Uruguayan process is something like seal training, Navy seal training <laughs> yeah, or right, something. something like that. Something like that. Here's the other Unching thing. mannequins all day. <laughs> One of the tactical things about Uruguay that's interesting is, you know, you feel like you've got uh, Nunes, you've got uh, Suarez, you've got Cavani even mm-hmm. as an option just you know stereotypical classic number nines 
but they've been playing a 4-3-3 and they don't really play a formation that allows them to put those two all those guys on the field at the same time and and I I do find that it's for, we've talked about all these nations that mm-hmm. have struck that don't have a number 9 or a cl- somebody that's going to put the ball in the back in the back of the net yet you feel like Uruguay's they got they've got too many of yeah. them they can't they mm-hmm. can't use them all you did bring up the formation the 4-3-3 this is also a team that will adapt and play how they need to play according to who they're playing this is a team that can play possession or this is a team that can play the low block and just counter they'll play the way they need to play to just get the result and advance in the tournament all right so we move on to the final team of the final group that would be south korea uh, who had a largely easy ride through qualifying. They were second to Iran. Uh, the big news about South Korea at this point is, is that the question around their star player, Mr. Son, who broke his face in Champions League a week or so ago and has had facial reconstruction on his eye socket, and there's still a lot of questions, at least at the time that we were recording this, as to his availability for the tournament. Um, it's... Uh, it. it the South Korea's ability to make any noise in this group, Lars, I think is going to come down to A, is Sun even available? And B, even if he is available, how much soccer is the guy with a broken face going to want to play or be able to play? I mean, he's a pretty resilient fellow, Son, and uh, he, he doesn't head the ball very often. So, I mean, I I, I would assume that he, he'll do all right if they can get him playing. Uh, but but he, it's... You know, it is a little bit reductive, but it's hard to just over overstate his importance to this team, which is not to say they're bad. They've got some decent players uh, some, some, and some decent, hardworking players in there. But it just makes such a difference having having a guy like him and who can not just is a goal scorer, but is someone who can score out of nothing. You know, he can pick up the ball halfway inside someone's staff and just skip past someone and, and, and slap it in the top corner. So you, you don't even need your your build-up process to work really well when you have a guy like him in the team. Definitely shades of the car- the player that Gareth Bale was for Wales uh, for many, many years. I, I, other, other positives for South Korea is uh, is the emergence of Kim Min-jae in defense, who's, who's, who's showing, I mean, he's playing every week for Napoli uh, and, and, and has been just a giant from them for them after he came from Fenerbahce this summer. So, so there is some quality here, but yeah, it is it is very much about whether Son Young-min gets fit. So I, I think a benefit related to Son, a benefit for South Korea, and this is just me personally because I feel Uruguay is the strongest team in this group. They do play Uruguay first. Mm-hmm. And if you if you are aiming to get out of the group and first seems like a long shot, but second seems realistic, get that first game out of the way against that first place team, particularly if Son is not 100 percent. He gets a few more days to really prepare himself to play Portugal and Ghana in those must win games. So I think that's a little bit of a benefit for South Korea. If you feel Uruguay <laughs> is the team to beat in the group. Now, this is their 10th straight World Cup. And they're good for a surprise here and there. They beat Germany in the last World Cup. They eliminated Germany basically. From oh, that's advancing. right. Yeah, yeah. They didn't advance themselves, but they don't usually get out of their group play. But they've been to 10 straight World Cups. There's something to be said about that. Now, part of that is because they, they qualify out of Asia. But they're not a bad side. They can surprise. I don't think they get out of the group. Though. Yeah, to Andy's point, they get Ghana in the second game, and then they have uh, Portugal in the final game. Portugal, by the final game, may already have been gotten through, and are or rest- maybe needing a win no matter yeah. what. You know, so. all kind of uh, different odd scenarios. I'm intrigued. Um, the 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 occasional betting writer Lars Sivertsen uh, breaks in again to note that. It's interesting that Andy has uh, Uruguay as the strongest team in the group because the markets favor Portugal quite heavily. Uh, I, I guess if the markets were always right, everybody would be rich. But I've watched enough World Cups to know that the markets also get it wrong every once they, in a while. They absolutely do. I just think it's interesting that we're going a little bit against convention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is, I guess, similar to with Belgium is that we're seeing. Uh, Quite a lot of flaws, even in, even though they Port- Portugal have all these big names, they're very often underwhelming. Uh, and I will also note from that angle, uh, the betting markets have Ghana and South Korea to have almost the same chance of getting out of the group, which seems uh, seems about right to me. I may be a little bit higher on, on Ghana, but uh, it all dep- that all depends on song. All right, 
Well, let's figure this out. I'll, I'll just go first. Okay. I have Uruguay first. I have Portugal second, Ghana third, and South Korea fourth. Uh, I probably would have had South Korea f- third had it not been for the Sun injury. Uh, I just I have a weird suspicion. Yep. Even if he's there, I just don't know how well he's going to be able to play, Andy. Lars, let Lars go first. Oh, okay, Lars, you go first. Second. Uh, you second, go second. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one, this, isn't it? Okay, I'll go next. Uh, I got Uruguay first, Ghana second. Portugal Ooh. not advancing in third and South Korea. Fourth. There is oh, the explosive moment of that, the podcast previews we've been waiting Portugal, for. Portugal, to me, is the there will be surprises. There'll be a major, major surprise and another big surprise. This is a big surprise, not the major surprise that I talked about in our previous shows. But to me, this this is one of the surprises. I mean, you got to pick who what you think will be the surprise. There will be some. And mm. to me, Portugal not advancing is is the surprise. Okay. Uh, it's a big shout. Uh, I'm not going to go that far, but I am also going to go against the market and say I think Uruguay will win the group. I don't have a lot of confidence in Portugal either, but I think Portugal will get through. Uh, so I've got Uruguay top, Portugal second, uh, Ghana third, and apologies, South Korea. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to your player, to your boy, Son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll take our break, and when we come back, we'll uh, mix and match groups G and H in the knockout round. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What women binge wherever you listen. Okay, look at us after all of this predicting and previewing. We are at the very, very end of all of the groups, and that is group H and G. I did that different. You know, earlier today when I was getting ready to do this preview stuff, it dawned on me that I had lost the ability to do the alphabet correctly because, well, I realized the other day when you guys asked what we were recording, I said, we're going to do groups G, H, E, and F. And I, in my head, something told me that didn't sound right. And it was when I wrote that down and I realized I had, that's not the order the alphabet has those letters in. It's E-F-G-H. Why don't you go to school? <laughs> and, and both of you guys were very kind not to call that out and make fun of me for doing that. You right. may not even been Probably paying didn't attention, register, didn't even yeah. notice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> would be ablest. Yeah. Okay. So we all agreed Brazil was going to top group H and we all agreed, I mean, group G, and we all agreed that Uruguay was going to uh, top group H where we differed uh, was uh, I think Lars and I had Portugal coming in Mm -hmm. second in Mm -hmm. group H and facing off against Brazil. Andy had Ghana and a Brazil Ghana first Mm -hmm. knockout round actually sounds pretty awesome. So I'm kind of. And Ghana has given Brazil problems in the past. They've played them well so it would be a difficult match for brazil a good test after that easier group stage games yeah but i still think brazil would prevail in the brazil ghana match obviously i don't remember how many of us had serbia and how many of us had switzerland in second place in g both of y'all had serbia and i had the swiss okay how do we feel about either one of those teams facing up about uh, against uruguay in the knockout stage well, huh. I, 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 I fancy Uruguay, and so I... I we I, all did. Yeah, yeah, I believe they will... Who, if Serbia or Switzerland, I think Uruguay will, will advance. I don't feel as comfortable saying it if it's Switzerland, but I think they'll, they'll win either game, Switzerland or Serbia. I think Uruguay, Switzerland, Uruguay, Serbia would be one of those games where I'd be betting on the yellow cards again. I think that's going to be quite. <laughs> oh, a great point. <laughs> going to be quite spicy, yes. niggly, scratchy, yes. and elbow. Because tasting. Uruguay is a they're they're that kind. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So secretly, we're all going to pencil in. We hope that a uh, Uruguay faces off against Serbia because yeah. uh, that would be uh, one of those fun <laughs> games to watch. Can we just turn off VAR for that one? Just let them let them, <laughs> let them fight. Yeah, Luis. <laughs> Suarez <laughs> facing <laughs> off against Mitrovic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy! Wow. Well, no, they wouldn't fail, but maybe maybe in corners or something. Yeah. They wouldn't uh, really, some of know. the Serbian defenders versus Suarez the, and vice versa. I they'll think find is absolutely but, tremendous. But Brazil really sets themselves up for the run at, at this particular stage. They're the team in, at all of this. I think. I mean, we haven't talked about our ultimate predictions, but I, I yeah, do think this is what sets them up nicely. If Brazil and Argentina finish both in first place, like you know we we predicted, yeah. Uh, and they keep advancing. They won't meet in the final. They would meet in the semis, yeah. which is kind of a downer because it would be awesome to see Messi, Neymar in the final. With all due apologies to the European in the room, but does that bum you out, Lars? That you know, arguably the two favorites of the tournament can't play each other in the final. It's Unless, well, I mean, I guess there's a way they could, but the it's not odds something are I've really won't. thought about. It's not something I've really thought about. You're the European on the pod. That's I, why I'm just... asking you. I just have a sneaking suspicion since we're getting to the end of the episode. I feel like we're dunking too hard on Portugal. I know they're underwhelming sometimes. But you know, no, you know, I just want to throw this in. World Cups are often just about being a team that doesn't screw up a lot. And, and there are quite a lot of, there's still quite a lot of good players and solid pros in this team, and they can find goals. And yeah, they went out early in the Euros, but I was just remembering, I mean, they they were very unfortunate to lose that game to Belgium when they were knocked out early. I, I wonder if we've been a little bit too hard on them. Uh, and and that, could, that actually does is relevant to the bracket because um, if they, I mean, if they do win Group H, which I don't think is an outrageous shout, I mean, the betting markets certainly think they do, they would then likely face. Oh, they they would then face Switzerland or Serbia, right? Which is mm -hmm. pretty yeah. doable. And then suddenly you're in the quarters. So I mean, uh, have it. It's interesting uh, that uh, how uh, how a little thing like that actually just changes the dynamics of the whole tournament. Absolutely. And, I, and that that seems like a plausible outcome. But I would also not be super surprised if Andy was right and they went out. So I mean, this they're a real mystery going into this. Now tournament. we didn't talk about Brazil finishes first, Portugal second, because you guys picked Portugal both to finish second. They would meet in the round of sixteen. That's a juicy mm. matchup as well. That's true. Very, yeah. Very, I mean, that's yeah. a juicier matchup than Brazil Ghana. Some good colonial right? history there. Yeah. Yeah, and Ronaldo yeah. going. Out against brazil and they've met before and in world cups there's plenty of history in world cups between those two so it'll be interesting but you're right lars i mean if portugal and uruguay are inverted then you have uruguay brazil and if there's a team that brazil fears playing in world cups it's uruguay yeah. more than argentina believe yeah. it or not real history why is that because in 1950 when brazil was heavily favored to win the final played in maracana stadium Uruguay beat them. They beat them two one, in front of two hundred thousand, and that just has never has never left. Seventy it. years later, it's still yeah. a thing. They beat them in 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 nineteen seventy in the semis, but that didn't heal the wounds, and it's still a feared opponent. They're just feared because they're they're like a little bulldog, they or pit bull, I guess is what you, how you describe sure. them, right? So not the musician, right? The dog. So that would be a tremendous matchup as well. So maybe that's why I'm hoping doesn't happen as somebody that you know. I'm hoping Brazil goes far because they're, they're they're always great for the tournament. They're 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 a nice fun team to watch. I mean, looking back to the last World Cup, France weren't like the most convincing or the most fun or most thrilling team. Yep, they were just the team that messed up the least. Yep, and and and, and sometimes that's that'll take you really really far. And um, and they have depth. They had depth to overcome yellow cards and injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a thing to bear in mind. After us really dunking on Portugal, they have a lot of good players still, and they have some pretty rugged defenders. Mm, we'll see. They have excellent players, but my 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 uh, issue with them not issue, but what what I wonder is the Ronaldo factor and how much of an effect that will have in in the locker room and on the field. We don't know. It we'll is interesting out. in a world. What if Ronaldo was to get hurt in the first game against like, Ghana? Well, you're going to get or... all the Ronaldo bots on the internet after you. I know. Like for the, no, but... the, the amount of slander. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying, look, what happened if he got hurt and he was out for the rest of the tournament? How much does that fundamentally change his Portugal situation and everybody's feeling about their potential for the rest of the tournament. Maybe it actually improves it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's the question I'm asking. It's addition by subtraction. But I wonder if we're in the minority or in the majority that think Portugal would have a better chance without Ronaldo. It, look, and we, it, the tournament could start. Ronaldo can get on fire and score goal, you know, and do Ronaldo things. And we're all stupid, <laughs> right? I mean, it, Sweet. it can happen, right? So... <laughs> 
I think there's I think there's people that think he really adds something and he's he's the, that that factor they need to be able to go far and there's those that believe that he is he draws them back. I think he's a bigger problem on for the club team than he is internationally because I think in club football it's much more about developing a good system uh, whereas internationally there's not really time to do that anyway. And, Especially and this having, one, right? This yeah. World Cup too. And yeah. just and just having Yep. Most of the time, fo- soccer, football is a, is a is a is a weak link sport where the thing that determines how far you can go is who you, the worst player on your mm-hmm. team is. But I do wonder in a compressed tournament where no one has time to be perfect anyway. Yeah. Of, of just be having the guy who he can't do the thing he used to do, but he can still you know head home a corner or yeah. take a penalty kick. Or that's a fair like point. That. Free kicks, set pieces. Yep, absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and fair predict point. that his Adam's apple actually scores a goal in this <laughs> oh, tournament. So painful. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. All right. Look at us, guys. Look at us here now. We have made it through the entire set of groups and all of that. We've made our predictions, at least as far as uh, the group stages go. You'll have to save and wait for our predictions uh, for the entire tournament, which I'm not really sure when we're going to do that. Because the next time we're going to talk to you is on Sunday, November the 20th, in that afternoon when this podcast gets posted, when we begin our daily World Cup wrap-up coverage every day during the tournament. We will record this podcast for about an hour after the last game on every day. Sit here and go through that day's, that day's games, the results, the, the meanings of them, and also preview the days coming up beforehand. So the next time you hear from us will be on Sunday, November the 20th. And in addition, we didn't do that for these uh, pods that we've been re- pre-recorded. All of those will be live streamed on the Internet. So if you don't want to wait to download the podcast in the evening, if you want to watch us actually record the podcast, you'll be able to do it on a wide range of platforms, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, etc. And you'll be able to find all of those links and how that's going to happen over on our website, thekickaround.com. All the information, all the details will be there. It's all free to watch, all free to listen to. It's our gift to you the kick around world cup coverage lars thank you once again live from london we do appreciate and love you always enjoy hanging out with you guys andy this is the best let's do this This only days away now only days away thank you soccer loving p1s we love and adore you go on in get stuck in and win your 50s production of westwood one sports and pcw projects Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.